call they're going to defend you until the last day in our life in the press conference. But here, I'm going to tell you the truth. Hello everybody, welcome to the Pause Podcast. This is the second episode. Today, I'm joined with, um, you know, someone who I've wanted to speak to for a while, someone who um, I've known in the Twitter ecosystem for a long time and um, you know, someone whose opinions of football are, are very interesting and without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guest Mo. Uh, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing very well. Thanks for the excellent introduction. I don't think I deserve it, but thanks again. So, um, you know, before we begin, I was thinking, um, you know, because I want to give it on my guest an introduction, I was thinking, you know, how long have I known Mo and, and like, how does Mo relate to, to me and, and what I've done? And I wanted to say, so obviously I have this platform now where I speak about football and, and write about football. But I was thinking back to when I first started on um, first started on Twitter and you know when you use Twitter at the beginning and it's just like you and some people that you know in real life and you're just retweeting like Sky Sports and just these generic, like you're not into the actual Twitter world where, where you're speaking to different people about different things in it, uh, and, and your shared interests. But I, I think the first person who I didn't know, um, like in real life, whose tweets I started speaking underneath was you. And then from that, I started to get to know everyone else. And I actually think that knock-on effect, like you were the beginning of me speaking like here now. That's crazy, man. I guess like that's how I started on Twitter as well. I had a friend of mine, Abby, you know, on Twitter. And that's how I got into it. And then eventually started talking to more people because it's quite interesting with the people that you don't know, their opinions are different to yours, especially when you don't see each other in real life. And it's not Sky Sports. It's like a different sort of media. And I like what you're doing with your YouTube as well and your TikTok. I enjoy a lot. Thank you, brother. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, for me, well, I live in Manchester. So everyone who, who speaks and knows about football around my area, there's a few City fans that I know. Uh, more of the city fans are like North Manchester, where I actually am. Like my schools and and my universities, it's mainly just United fans. But if I'm speaking to like, if I want to get opinions about Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, these kind of teams, like I've never got such a influx and and um, you know a big amount of of feedback about these clubs and and discussions about these clubs as I have on Twitter, where you know you're speaking to people across the across the world, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And also, it's like in school or in person, it's like one opinion tends to take hold and everyone just agrees because there's more like you're losing more because you're in a group of people. There's like a social narrative to buy into. If you go against that, it's like it's more it's more against human nature to go against that. Well, yeah, if, if, you're, <laughs> if you're in school, well, I don't know how it is now because there's so many new metrics or whatever now. Like when I was in school, there wasn't any of this like XG talk or whatever. But like imagine you're in school now, you're in the you're in the dinner hall or you're in the canteen or whatever. If you're bringing up like XG, I don't know. I think you'll get. It. I think people will start clowning you. Maybe it's changed now because it's more like accepted and like Sky Sports even use them stats. But like when it was when I was in school, which I'm seeing like I'm an old man, but it's not that long ago. But when I was in school, <laughs> it was it was more of a thing where it's like whoever scores the most is, is a good player whoever looks nice like you just want to if your team's winning you're, you're gloating and if they're not you're, you're taking you're, you're taking the yells and you're just moving in it exactly it's like in school yeah it was just about uh, um, I don't want to be the one that everyone takes the mechanic yeah. on school on Monday so I, my team better win like that's the only thing you cared about yeah if my, like, I spot City in it uh, like since primary since, well, since I was a kid and even when we were rubbish, I was just hoping uh, just win the derby. Like if we win the derby, the season's calm. Yeah. So uh, there's there's a lot of uh, questions and, and topics we uh, we can dive into. I think the majority of this is going to focus on on United and on Ali. Uh, people who know you uh, obviously know that you're you're. Uh, avid supporter of Ole you're um, you're vocal about it and and I think that's good you know because there's a lot of people I think it's a social media thing again where negativity like rises to the top in it and like there's a lot of negative opinions on Ole and they, they gain traction and then they sort of snowball and then the whole timeline is this and then there's so many like journalists all writing negatively I, I like seeing both sides of it so uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about United if that's cool with you yeah, that's fine. Totally fine. 
I want to begin um, by talking a little bit about United's current situation because, um, you know, in the last few games, we know that um, United have clawed back some results. They've had some late winners. Um, but it seems like United started this season, although results-wise has been, has been not awful, um, there have been some performances that have seemed, you know, below expectation following, you know, something that seems like a quite successful summer. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's a totally fair assessment of the situation. And even if you ask the coaching team what they think of the performances, they will be the first ones to admit it's been, it's been below par. It's been a sort of um, where the players are playing within themselves. Like there's some errors which United, I haven't seen them. Like the goals that we concede are very sloppy. And I think that I wouldn't say they're easily avoidable, but there's some situations where like the same goal has been conceded a, three times this season. The one that um, leads their first goal was from a counter-attack. Yeah. When uh, Everton scored as well, that was a counter-attack. And uh, Newcastle as well, that was a counter-attack. Even though we won three of the t- uh, two of the three games, it was, yeah. still, it was literally almost like the exact same feeling. We're winning 1-0 and then we concede again. Or we go behind and then we come back. It's like... Even when under previous times under Ale, when we did used to lose games, we used to still, it was almost like we were unlucky. We still had that basics right. We still had a sort of like assured performance. There'd be like a level which we wouldn't dip under. But now it's like we're dipping under that level, despite having better players, which should mean better performances. Yeah, that's true about the, um, the three goals being all kind of, you know, similar, similar situations. Uh, like, what do you think the reason for that is? Because when I'm when I'm looking at um, United's team now, so I, I've started writing these this series of articles about Ali because I was like, everyone's everyone's criticizing him, but but surely there's more to his his coaching and more to his philosophy than than meets the eye. Because when people attribute blame to him, they they say he doesn't coach patterns. Uh, what does he do on the training ground and thing and things of that nature? When we look at Ole and and how he sets up the team, I think it's more of like a a system where it encourages um, you know the players to express themselves to to be a little bit more liberal. It's not it's not a strict positional play system, and I don't think that's entirely horrible. But do you think that maybe that's causing causing some of the issues uh, in regards to there's new players within that system, so they haven't got to know each other fully. Um, I think. Regarding this start of the season specifically, I think it's because of we've had like new signings coming, especially like Ronaldo, who changes the way that we play uh, quite massively because he doesn't press and uh, he's more of a I'd say a traditional target man. Even though Cavani is sort of older, but he presses, he harasses the defense, uh, he makes runs behind. Yeah. yeah, he's very active. So I think it's sort of adapting to Ronaldo, trying to adapt to. We're trying to play a much higher line this season as well compared to last season where we would almost sometimes be 10 yards behind what we are we are under right now. And then getting the midfielders to adjust to that as well. Because, you know, Fred and McLean, I, I like them as the pivot. I don't think they're necessarily the top five pivot. But yeah, yeah. last season, what, what they were good at is harassing the defence and harassing the other midfielders and making sure that it's almost hard for them to play through us. But this season, because we're playing a bit higher, we need them to be more active on the ball, yeah, higher up, more active on the ball, demanding of themselves to be able to progress the ball. And that has not really been happening. So it's almost like we're trying to circulate the ball right around the wings or playing it. We're playing a bit more slightly longer balls, which we never used to do before, except yeah. for when Rashford makes a specific run behind. And I think we're missing Rashford as well because... Right now, we don't really have anyone with that sort of pace and technique in behind, apart from Greenwood. But we need someone else on the other wing to make the other side. So now we've been playing more towards the right-hand side. Because I remember one of the criticisms of United last season was we used to like play towards the left side too much. Oh yeah, it was and like 60% left-sided. Yeah, 60% left-sided because of uh, Rashford. That's where he used to play. And now it's almost like we're doing the opposite where it's going to be Greenwood on the other side. And I think, yeah, teams have like started to figure out that if you could stop Bruno and if you could stop uh, Greenwood as well getting onto the board, you could pretty much stop United's attack. Yeah, that's true, you know. Um, the way 
the way I've been looking at United recently, um, it seems like a lot of the good stuff uh, is coming from Greenwood, and and you know, in in other seasons, maybe like he had a tendency to. Well, at the beginning, obviously, everyone recognised his strengths on both feet and, and then they started crowding him out and uh, two, three players used to surround him. And there was that run of a few games where he became a little bit ineffective. Um, but then it seems to me now that his game's, you know, really elevating. Like, he's developing some of the skills to, to drop in and drop deep and play nearer Ronaldo or, or to be able to create things. Um, whereas before, he was more of a player who who wanted to get on the end of things and he still does but he seems to be a lot more more complete I think he, he might be United's best player uh, so far this season um, probably you could also say even though his, um, I didn't like him the season before but the hair you could say that he's been really good oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. goalkeeper attacks bro I always forget them yeah exactly but I, I'd also say that whenever United are not playing well the hair tends to play well and it usually works the other way around as well well, yeah, I think uh, a possibility or possible explanation for that would be like when United are sort of camped back and and other teams are, are getting a lot of shots, especially from close range. Um, you know, De Gea, he, he thrives in those situations like the Villarreal game, for example. Villarreal got him behind quite a few times. You have, um, I can't remember their striker's name, but uh, Danjuma creating a lot. Some of their strikers having a lot of shots, but, but De Gea was... You know, in the in the short distances and in terms of his reactions, he's I, I think he's still like phenomenal. But w- when there's the sort of more transitional uh, threats where where he has to kind of run out and and be a sweeper keeper, he he he's a little bit more flawed than than what we're seeing this season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think um, I'm not sure, but he might have worked on it over the summer because some of the he's releasing the ball much quicker as well, which helps for counter attacks. Yeah, yeah. He, in general, he's he's. You were right when you said that he he's another one who might be United's best player. Uh, I'd forgotten him just because he's a goalie, but I think him and Greenwood definitely. Uh, yeah, top two. To be honest, when I was looking at the entire situation, I think you you mentioned something in a reply to me saying how this time it feels a little bit different. Uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think that tweet was a bit more emotional than normal because it's soon after the game. But yeah. I think that they, they, I think there's still a valid point to it because an honest side normally last season when you look at some of our games, even the games that we did tend to lose, it was like there was almost an immediate like solvable situation. I remember when we lost 6-1 to Tottenham and that yeah, was because yeah. we had Matic and Pogba playing as the pivot and we really tried to play almost like building up from the back which we never yeah. used to do in big games beforehand. We didn't play McTominay or Fred in that game. And Tottenham basically killed us in transition. But now it seems like we are playing McTominay and Fred, which is under Ali has been his first choice pivot for quite a while. I think rightly so as well. That that pivot is... Well, well, Matic has some really good games. And like on paper, I would say Matic and McTominay has the potential to be the best. But... Whenever they play together, there always seems to be big gaps. And, and when McTominay pushes up, nothing Matic can cover. Um, so I, I, in terms of balance, Fred and, and McTominay, yeah, absolutely, I would, I would say is the best double pivot that, that United have. Exactly. And I agree with that. And also what you said about Matic, I think that Ole would play Matic more frequently. But with the way Fred and McTominay play, they, they play best when they play like three, four games on the bounce. You can't just yeah. leave them out and then bring them in for like the big games or the teams that press against us because then they tend to take some time to get ready to play. And yeah, it's almost, true. it's like, yeah, it's like, how do you solve this United team? It's like, for me, I can't see an easy answer like I used to before. And that's why I think it feels different. Unless they go to the training ground over this break and work on specific concepts. But apart from that, I don't really think, maybe Rashford coming back as well should help. Yeah, yeah. I well, I've said uh, quite a few times before, especially last season, probably the season before. I think Rashford is is United's best attacker, and that was obviously when Sancho and and Ronaldo uh, weren't here. But I think Rashford offers so much, especially well on the left. Um, he has such a good relationship with uh, Luke Shaw, and I think their 
combination was the most reliable thing United had to breaking down blocks. Uh, you know, uh, Luke Shaw's third man runs, his his underlapping, which when he has Sancho on that side, uh, Sancho sort of likes to get isolated with the defender. And then, um, you know, when he's one-on-one, he can cut inside and, and find the players. Draw, basically, he draws players towards him and then there's space for the other players to exploit. It's similar sort of to, to Grealish at City. Um, but I think when when Rashford's um, when Rashford's on the pitch, him and Shaw, because they're both, you know, they're both runners. They both make movements that complement each other. It's a uh, they they have a unique relationship there where they can consistently, um, you know, get the ball into areas where United can can score from. So I do agree with you in that you know Rashford will be, um, you know, really quite important for. For United when he comes back, uh, I wonder who drops out though. Uh, like, if we're going four two three one or four three three, how would you set up the midfield and attack ideally for you? And this is considering that every player is fit, right? Like, there's no injury. Yeah, yeah. This is considering, yeah, Rashford's back. Um, you know, Greenwood, Sancho, Ronaldo, all these everyone's here. Okay, this would be my ideal lineup. I think we'd have um, De Gea in goal. Wait, can I? Can I? So sorry, I'd like to interrupt yeah. at certain points because, well, if there's something that uh, I want to find out a little bit more about De Gea over Henderson, would you do that? Why would you do that? Um, and that's speaking right now, I think I would do it because De Gea has his confidence back. Like I think, even though stylistically Henderson, I think long term is a better fit for the team, but De Gea's yeah. playing too well now to be dropped, in my opinion. Okay, uh, but if we were doing an eleven. That you'd want to play for the season would would it be Henderson or would it be De Gea? Henderson, I think I'll probably go with Henderson for the season if that was the case over the whole season. Yeah, let's do um your ideal eleven over the whole season. Like, let's not factor in form. Let's just say on the quality of the players and the profile of players that United have currently. What would your ideal eleven? Um, what would they be? Okay, in there I would have uh first of all I'll play four two three one. Okay. In there, I would have uh, Dean Henderson. Yep. And the four in defence, Wan-Bissaka, Varane, Maguire and Luke Shaw. Yeah, picks itself sort of, isn't it? Yeah. My pivot would be McTominay and Fred. On the right, I would have Jaden Sancho. In the middle, I would have Bruno. And then on the left, I would have Rashford and then Ronaldo up top. I wouldn't play Pogba, even though that's controversial, but I wouldn't start him. Well, I think that that's controversial to to people when they think of like the idea of Pogba and, and he costs this much money. But when you look back at the games over uh, last season, anyway, in midfield he wasn't preferred. Um, he was he wasn't the first choice in the big games, and and he was only played sort of when United needed someone in the pivot to create something, or if you played against a team that wasn't so scary attacking themselves in it. Yeah, he was more of like a left winger. Uh, inverted left winger um, and I think he could play there but then given you know just how many uh, star attackers that you have I I would agree I think I would agree with you um, there is a position that uh, shall I say it I don't want United to I don't want to help United but basically I, I think <laughs> Pogba has the potential to be quite effective in wait I might need to get my notes for this bro because basically I had like this 11 for United that I think could win the league but I don't want them to win the league. But I think I think uh, Pogba. Yeah. So would that be a four-three-three or what sort of formation uh, would you go with? This guy's Ollie's. This guy's Ollie's. Um, this guy's getting nose for Ollie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so it would probably be. Actually, looks like a decent team. <laughs> I know, bro. They gotta give me the keys, but that's why I didn't want to tweet it, bro. If I start tweeting that, I'm, it's scary for the it's scary for the league, bro. Now I'm not even lying, but I'm sure like some United like coaching staff do find stuff like that on Twitter. Yeah, well, I'm gonna. I don't know how I'm gonna edit this, but hopefully, I've edited <laughs> it to a point where it's coherent and I haven't exposed everything that I've said. But uh, yeah. If if I haven't done that, basically, 
I paused the recording to have a chat with Mo about some of my ideas for what United should do. Uh, and then uh, Mo just brought up the idea that uh, there will be some United coaches and, and, and just football people who, who are on Twitter looking at ideas and things like this. Uh, I wanted to say, um, have you seen the things like uh, from years ago of Ali following like all these like tactical football accounts and all these analysis accounts? Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. He sent a message to, you know, United Arena. Oh, yeah, um, really? Back in, yeah, back in uh, 2019, when we were really good defensively, we were keeping clean sheets, but we were not scoring as much. And he was like, oh, you can see the defensive improvements we have made. And he said, we'll start scoring soon. Thanks for the faith. I can send you um, after the screenshot of it. Yeah, he sent um, a DM on Twitter. Okay. And he posted it, yeah. Saying thanks for seeing the defensive improvements. And will uh, the attack will pay off soon as well. Something to that effect. That's actually yeah. Nuts. And then afterwards, he deactivated. He deactivated uh, after like when uh, back in 2020 when there was like rumors of him getting sacked and stuff. Oh yeah, I do remember that actually. Yeah. Uh, but before that, he he had one of those accounts where like I don't I don't think he tweeted, but he he had an account in it. Yeah, he had an account. He used to like retweet stuff. I remember when. Do you remember when Rashford scored that goal against Liverpool where he chopped up Trent? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then he put Rashford's shirt onto the TV and took a picture and then posted it. Was he manager? when? Was he manager then? He was at Molde, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was at Molde, yeah. See, see, I remember that. I was just wondering if he was on and active on Twitter when he was United's manager. No, no, not really. But he used to, like, um, he used to use it 100%. Yeah. Probably got a burner. Ole. Listen to this podcast. I like you, man. Uh, bring yeah. me in. I've got some ideas. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, moving on. Um, you know, in, in sort of reading and trying to give uh, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer his, his roses, uh, I stumbled upon, you know, numerous articles and, and interviews from him and, and people around him and people in his past and Ferguson and Ferguson's backroom stuff about Oli's philosophy, Oli's culture, like what Oli stands for, what Oli's style of football is. Uh, I want to speak a little bit about that. Um, how do you see, how do you see his style of football and, and his philosophy? Um, personally, I think like there's a difference between what he had to play at United early on versus what his ideal like final team or final philosophy looks like. So, okay. okay. I think for him, it's not necessarily like it's not as defined as like a Pep Guardiola play, uh, play style or a Diego Simeone or like any other manager that has like a well-defined, you can easily see it basically. But with United and with Ole, it's like he tries to have a team that breaks quickly, attacks yep, with yep. pace, yep. and basically almost plays, has a solid foundation to allow the attackers to play without yeah, too much like, he, yeah, he lets them, yeah, basically he lets them play Without too much, I would say tactical instruction, but without too much like automated restriction. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, um, you know, reading upon Ali, there's, it's clear that these influences were, were founded in in his, like studentship of uh, underneath Sir Alex Ferguson, in it, um, and he's what what Ali encapsulates is basically. Manchester United if Manchester United was a person and if Manchester United had like uh, like a family tree it, it would be a straight line going from Sir Alex Ferguson to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer like all these you have Jose Mourinho Jose Mourinho and the iteration of, of Mourinho that we saw at United he would be so far off the that's the illegitimate child of the family tree because there's no in terms of style culture we know Jose Mourinho is a phenomenal manager, uh, you know, at his prime and what he's doing now. Um, I haven't watched too much of Roma, but they seem to be performing well as well. But when you see uh, his his cultural philosophy, it's very different to you know the foundations that Ferguson, uh, United historically, uh, Ali now have implemented this quick, um, so almost counter-attacking at times, um, direct, expressive exciting fast football um, that, that wants the players to express themselves and I think this is one of the reasons why um, you know United when you look at their, their movements in the transfer windows have, have focused on these you know big personalities these winners because 
you have the likes of Maguire, Ronaldo, Varane, who else do you have? Bruno. And, you know, when you look at these players, you see, you see like, big personalities, people who want to win, people who are sort of exciting. And they're like the players of old that United were signed. You know, these players who can do things uh, on their own um, when given the license to to express themselves in, in that sort of way, innit? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think it's also to do with um, changing the culture of United because under Mourinho, it was, I don't, I don't like using the word, but it was almost like depressing. Like, I don't think a lot of people enjoyed working at the club. A lot of players certainly did not enjoy it under Mourinho. I don't even think Mourinho himself, like, towards the end, enjoyed being at the club. The best bit about Mourinho's tenure was absolutely his, um, his press conferences, man. But in terms of the football and stuff, like, yeah, I agree with you at times. It was like, the mood around the club and, and, and the performances that came with it was like kind of a toxic thing, in it? Yeah. And so to change that, we, like we needed a massive like reset because it was for, I think it was two years and a half he was here and it was like there was no plans for the future. There was literally nothing beyond the next month or so because we didn't even know if he was going to be there at the end of the month. So Ole came in and his remit was to basically because he initially came in as an interim, it was like for those six months, just make everyone happy basically again and try to play good football. And to be fair, it was hard to do that because of what Mourinho was doing. And you can even see it in Ali's interviews when he got the permanent job or the season after versus when he initially came in. When he initially came in, it was a lot about the United DNA, about being happy to play, uh, letting players play, playing with joy. It was almost as if he was like a fan himself. Like, that's the way he was speaking. And then afterwards, he became more... I think that was important, though. That was very important, isn't it? Yeah, because I think, yeah, I don't think we would be at the stage where... And match the thing, before early, United never had two top four finishes consecutively in two seasons. That is crazy for a club of United's level to not make the Champions League. Like, And to think that from... Because when... When Ali came in, we were 11 points, I think, off the top four. And Arsenal looked really good back then under Emery. They were getting results. Tottenham had Pochettino as well, even though he got sacked. But yeah, it looked like United were in a real struggle to really just get into the top four. That's what United were at that time. Yeah. So with Ali, it's like he... I think for me, he's done the cultural reset right in terms of getting the... Sort of right sort of profile of players. He got rid of Fellaini. He got rid of um, Alexis Sanchez. He got rid of like un- underperforming players like Darman, I remember. Um, but also, and another case that I wanted to point out was uh, Romelu Lukaku. I think Ole yep. wanted to keep him, but Lukaku wanted to go. And that's the right thing to do, isn't it? To, to let, if a player doesn't want to stay. I think Pep always talks about it. If a player wants to leave and, and there's a chance for them to leave, then you don't keep a player who doesn't want to play at, at the club, innit? Yeah, exactly. But I think if, say, Mourinho stayed, I think Lukaku might have stayed because I don't think, I don't think Mourinho would let him go, say, without a replacement, like a direct replacement. Yeah, yeah. So, but Ali said, like, we'll take that risk, we'll get, we'll go with, Mar- I think at the time it was Marcia Rashford and then Greenwood came in throughout that season. Yeah, but he was, he was a kid. Yeah, exactly. He was not really an option up front. It was like Martial and Rashford, that's it. Uh, I think everyone was talking about at that time, and, and they still do. I th- Rashford's main position is as a left winger, as a central nine against teams that sort of sit deep, whatever. He's not entirely comfortable there. So in a way, it, you know, besides the, top, the games against the top teams where you're countering, um, you know, Martial, you went into a season with Martial as, as the only real option for, for some of the games, isn't it? Yeah, and that was like looking back now, it was crazy because that's a lot of risk that Ali took in like not demanding a striker basically because he wanted to get signed defensive, uh, build from the back first, and then yeah. find more attacking players. And also, what you're saying about Martial and Rashford, yeah, it was interesting when Ali first came in, he played Martial on the left and he played Rashford up top, but he swapped them around uh, in his second season here and then played Martial almost as a sort of. I would say false nine, but he would drop a bit back and then Rashford like would to link play home. with. Was Bruno uh, was Bruno at United in that season? Second half of that season, maybe. Uh, second half of that season. At the beginning, our main option was 
Andres Pereira and Ligon yeah. out of four. Guys, yo, if you deep the, the early, well, to be honest, Ali was losing a lot of games uh, around that time. Yeah. But I remember, I think I tweeted something like, unironically, United should be third and Ali's not, an, not a bad manager. Uh, I think I tweeted that at the time when <laughs> there was some kind of shocking articles that I was saying, like, and, and just in the discourse talking about, like, is Ali going to get sacked uh, or is Ali going to get relegated? Sorry. Uh, yeah. United relegated. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I tweeted something like, uh, I think Pogba was out as well for quite a long time. And so I tweeted something like, uh, this is like the eighth best squad in the Premier League at that time. <laughs> and a lot of people ratioed me for it. But with the like results and the players that we had out, it was... But the thing what we had was we had a lot of good counter-attacking ability. So we could almost sit back and then counter-attack through the wings. Daniel James was signed as well and he had a really good start. Yeah, Daniel James and, and Rashford with Marshall down the middle against teams that kind of pushed against United and then United had the chance to hit him behind. I think that's a frightening front three, you know. I, I honestly, I, I get why you would sell Dan James if you get a £30 million offer. But what, what Dan James offered United, it's like, it's, I don't know, people make fun of, of Dan James sometimes. But if you look at all the, the principles uh, that we mentioned earlier about, you know, United's um, uh, core principles, you know, Dan James sort of encapsulates um, all of them, you know, fast, direct, uh, he worked really hard, uh, you know, this counter-attacking style that was so successful. I think um, against Young Boys, for example, if you had a Dan James on the bench, he would have been, like, so valuable. I, I think United have lost that transitional threat a little bit, um, given Marshall's um, falling out of favour, and then Rashford's obviously injured as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I was like one of those people that there's like six, seven, eight games where Daniel James will start for you and like he would come in and do an excellent job on the other team because he also used to um, track back. Even though Sancho's very good on the ball, but he's not really going to track back as much as Daniel James does. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was because an offer of 30 million was probably too good to refuse at the time, but we weren't willing to let him go earlier as well. So, yeah, I missed him though. Yeah, I really, I can't lie. I really like for 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 a guy who plays for United or who used to play for United. I really, um, I really like Dan James to be honest. Um, I don't know how we've we've got we've got onto this, but um, <laughs> so so we've spoken about Ali and his philosophy, and and you know, I think kind of um, surprisingly and kind of unusually to to some, uh, we've been you know relatively praiseworthy of him uh, but I think he deserves that especially for what he's done and I, I, a lot of people look at the style of football and they judge him based on their own metrics and and if you judge someone on, on different metrics you know you'll get a different uh, amounts of success based on those if you judge Ali on his um, positional play and, and his patterns then I can see why people would be critical of him but if you judge Oli for what he's done for the team, how he's brought them to this point. And if you're aware that he's not trying to implement this, you know, strict positional play system, he wants his attacking players to sort of express themselves, then you have a metric that's more fair to judge him by because you're judging him by the um, intentions um, of his style and of his culture in it. So, you know, I think, for example, Bruno last season, he wouldn't put up those numbers if he was in a positional play system. Uh, yeah, I agree. If he wasn't given the license to... You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And also, it's like, sometimes what you said is people don't know what to expect of Ole. Do they expect him to win the Premier League? Do they expect him to finish second? Like, they don't... They judge him based on what they feel like United should be. And that's why also when people say, like, oh, United are too chaotic in games, that could be by design. Like, we might not want to be... I think Ali wants to play with a bit more possession, but he wouldn't want to necessarily take out that aspect of the team, the team that that can push through, can get results, can come back from a goal down like early on and manage to win away games. Yeah, I wanted to mention, um, I think last season, so I, I put this in my article that I posted uh, last week, but I, I wrote something about, I think last season, United had won the most points from losing positions away in Premier League history for uh, in a single campaign. You know, there was that joke going about, like, if you score first against United, you're going to lose, and United should score an own goal in the first five minutes just so they know that they're going to win and things like that. 
people attribute that sort of performance to look and they say, oh, he's getting lucky. Or how do they keep doing this? But I was thinking more about it and, and for something to be so consistently occurring, it can't, can't always be luck. And I was thinking, the, the way I see this is United have set up in a way where they have a lot of players who thrive on, on being individually expressive and being given the freedom to take these chances that other systems would not allow them to, to attempt. And when you combine that with the profiles of players that they're signing being, you know, these almost arrogant winners who are, they are quite selfish, but it's not, that's not always a negative trait. So if you pair all of these things, you know, Ali's built a team that is, is made to, to thrive and claw back, you know, games from, from losing positions. Uh, I always talk about how when you're a manager, most often you build a team in your image in it. Like Pep, he's a very strict and expressive and eccentric and, and exciting person. And his team sort of play in the way that he is as a person. When you see Ole, yeah. his career at United, he was known for late winners and, you know, showing up at the right time. When you see Ronaldo's goal at Villarreal the other day, yeah, it's like an Ole goal for Ferguson. You get me? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like, they like that's what his career basically was. But also, um, with the luck of it, it's like it's, sometimes it can be luck, but it's like you put yourself in a position to get that luck. Then that's not yeah, necessarily exactly. just luck. Yeah, like that's what that's what I was saying. Like even now, now you have Ronaldo, you have Bruno, um, you know, Rashford's coming back. You have these guys that that are just individually, they're real winners, and and they can produce a moment of something from from nothing and if you have these teams who are given all of the instructions from their coach when things go wrong for them it's harder for them to claw back from from losing positions i would say ali's a balanced coach like he wants his teams to sort of he he plays a balanced 11 and then he wants his teams to have the freedom to do what they want in in the final third or in the in the opponent's half zidane was the same thing and um notably you know during the champions league when things would get difficult the players on the field would figure out solutions, whereas in some of the more positional-based systems that we've seen in the league, for example, sometimes there's some iterations of the City teams that used to go down a goal, and if the opponent set up in an unusual way, they wouldn't have the solution because they wouldn't. They weren't a team that were used to thinking and expressing themselves freely, uh, you know, on the pitch. Yeah, and that's. Um... A valid comparison as well that you may do with Zidane and Ole. It's almost yeah, that type of coach. But and also just to sorry to bring this point back up, but when you said about how people rate Ole, I think a lot a lot more people would rate him right now if he won the Europa League. But it's like we really lost on a penalty shootout in which the ten outfield players scored and the goalkeeper missed. So are you going to judge a manager's whole three-year process? by a penalty miss or a penalty scored. I don't think that's entirely fair, but you can have some valid criticisms. Or like you said, as a benefit to having sort of system which allows themselves to express, but in some games where you'd almost want a bit more possession, a bit more outthinking of the opponent. Well, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. That was going to be, um, you know, the sort of last section of this, um, which is so, so it's perfect, like a perfect introduction into it. I want to speak um, with you a little bit about you know, the expectations for the season, because I know you mentioned, like, people don't know what uh, to expect from, from Ole or from United. Uh, but I want to kind of focus in on what do you think the ceiling is for, for Ole here and and this sort of style? Because I tweeted something saying, um, you know, Ole is a victim of being a coach in the Pep and Klopp era, you know, because he's, He's quite adept at, at being a balancer coach and giving the players that he has now. But, you know, when you're against these teams that have, you know, these automatisms that, you know, just click and they go in the field and they know exactly what they're going to do. There, there's less variance in, the, um, you know, in those teams' games. So, in my opinion, I feel like they're going to win more games over a season than um, Ole at United, even though he might pop up enough points to, you know, traditionally win a league. Uh, how do you see the expectations for this season? How do you see Ole's United 
uh, do you think that they can compete with some of these more, you know, positional focused coaches? Um, that's a good question, to be honest. And I think what you said is true that over like a whole season, a Pep or a club team do tend to win more games. But for example, I think we really have a good chance in the Champions League, for example, which is a bit more, um, there's more variety in the results in terms of the game. Yeah, there's more variance in those games. I agree with that. Yeah. But yeah, in the Premier League, I think, but say, even if, apart from Pep, Clark and uh, Thomas Tuchel, I don't think any other manager would win the league with United, at least this season. It's like, it's almost, I wouldn't say impossible, but it's very hard to compete with those teams. Yeah. But but I do think, and uh, let me know what you think about this as well, I do think that the players that United have, have the potential to win a league. Yeah, I agree with that. As a team, um, in terms of like the quality of players, but I think we still need yeah. a central midfielder or few perhaps to get to the level. That's been sort of the main point from from United fans uh, following summer. You know, you need like a Declan Rice type. You need a, a central midfielder in there to, you know, truly be able to compete with Pep and and Klopp. And my my sort of thinking on this whole thing is is. Um, Ole at United not expected to compete and win ahead of those two coaches because he doesn't have the right personnel or is it because his style maxes out at a certain point with these players and then he needs additional players to to get a high level because would a Klopp for example or would a Pep with these players be able to get more out of them like some people would say oh we need to get Ole out we need to get a sort of like a Graham Potter in because he he has better patterns and all this kind of thing but then what would you be sacrificing? Would you be sacrificing, you know, this culture that he's built and, and the mood that he instills? What do you think about this this weird balance? Um, I think that Ollie's almost, I wouldn't say like a victim of his own success, but I don't think, no, I don't think a lot of people expected United to finish third in his first full season. I think a lot of people okay. were expecting him to finish maybe outside the top four. And I, I remember even last season when we finished second, a lot of people before the season were saying fifth or sixth. So I think the first year, the expectation was to get back to top four because that's the minimum. The second year was to solidify your place as a top four side and then to finally push for the title. But then what we say is like, yeah, we, I think United can just look at what they can do and see how well we do compared to... Because it is very... I wouldn't say difficult, but... Especially this season, it feels like if you drop points, it's almost... If you draw, it's like you've lost the game because of the title race and like how good the other teams are. Especially with Chelsea now. Well, yeah, being a City fan, like it, uh, City's title races with Liverpool have always... Last few years, it's always felt like if you draw, draw a game, if it's not to a big, big side, it's like um, it's a massive thing. Yeah. So, and you know, when people say, yeah, get Oli out, like, okay, say we got Oli out, who are your realistic options to come in right now that you can say would win the Premier League title? And also, uh, you know, there's two ways you can see it. If you do get rid of Oli, you can get another balancer type of coach like Deschamps or, or Zidane. And if you do that, like the team's built for a balancer, so you could do that, but then wouldn't they have the same problems? Uh, I can't remember how many leagues Zidane won, but I don't think he won the. He was as dominant in the league as he was in the Champions League, for example. Um, and then again, like given that style of coach, maybe you're still capped at like I don't know, um, early eighties in terms of points tally. And then if you get a, if you get like a Green Potter, you know. A Nagelsmann, I know a Nagelsmann's not going to leave, but if you get one of those style of coaches, Ten Hag, um, would the players at United currently, who have been bought for this, you know, United um, DNA, United style of football, would they be able to implement a, a, a system straight away that would challenge the likes of City and Liverpool? Yeah, and also when they say people like, I rate Graham Potter a lot, like, like really, I think he's a really good manager, but Going from Brighton to Manchester United is a totally different thing. And he would almost have to have like his own rebuild, make his own team, sign his own players. This is what I was saying, yeah, in terms of style. Like, 
because we have a we have a we have individuals who like to express themselves. You think how would Bruno fit into a Graham Potter side, for example? Exactly, Ronaldo won't track or press either. Like even if he tells him to, so it's like for me. That's why I feel like right now that's the best option is to stick with Ole because he's done in my eyes a fantastic job so far, and he does deserve to see out like how this team progresses. His rebuild, at least, yeah, yeah. And I think that would be a fair way to like, and then assess at the end of the season, whether he, whatever they agreed before the season, whether he's met that criteria or not. And who knows? Yeah. Stranger things have happened in football. And we just hope. <laughs> I said, I don't think a balanced coach can win ahead of a top positional play coaches unless, um, unless the quality gap in, in individuals is so big, which I don't think it is. So you have like top individuals, whatever. And then uh, my second stipulation was, uh, or if there's like exceptional circumstances, so injury, like like the Van Dyke injury, and you know all of Liverpool's centre backs going out. If City weren't on it last season, I think United would have had the potential to to win the league. Well, I think yeah, and also what we tend to do is we do tend to recover well after like a sort of series of bad football. Even though in the league we, I think we lost one and drawn one, but in the terms of the cup, we lost in Champions League, we lost in the Carabao Cup. So it's like we tend to recover well and we're a team that once we get that momentum we do tend to have a series of like good results. But starting with yeah. Leicester after the winter break, uh, after the international break and then we have a lot of um, we could take points off the top teams. So we, I think we play Tottenham, we play Liverpool. I think there's Chelsea in there, Arsenal. So yeah. Should It'll be interesting. Uh, I can't wait for that run. Yeah. That should be some good games hopefully this season. Uh, just last question before we wrap it up. Um, okay, expectations for Ole and for United. What would you be happy with? What do you think will happen? Um, personally, I would be, I'd be happy with a sort of low, uh, close third or second in terms of points. Well, okay, about, about five to eight points behind the league, the league winners. I'd be okay with that. Fair, yeah. Champions uh, League, uh, minimum quarters, ideally semi-finals at, at least. Because I think we have a team that's yep. very good at, at sort of knockout that stage. Like that. Sort I think of your game. team's built for for knockout games. Yeah. Similar to Zidane, Zidane's Madrid and and um, France's Deschamps France. Yeah, and hopefully uh, a pick up trophy as well because I think a trophy would um, like legitimize all of Ali's work. Like. I think people have different perceptions. People, people would get off his back as well. Yeah, exactly. He needs to. We need to do something as well after so long, five years, I think now. Let's say Ole finishes fourth, and he's it's not a he's not in the title race in terms of like five six points. He let's say he finishes fourth by like 10, 12 points. He's not in a top four battle. He just comfortably finishes fourth. How would you assess that? Would you still be Ole in or? Yeah, I'll still be all in, but and I think I think um, he's not going to get sacked this season unless we finish outside the top four. But I think the board that's what, yeah, I think that's what the board also demand. And I, I, I don't, I can't see us not finishing top four as a minimum this season as well. But yeah, I would. It depends on how the season goes and like how our performances go, depending on what happens with the other teams as well. It's like. Yeah, if all of Chelsea, Liverpool, City have sort of like off seasons and we still finished fourth by like 15 points or something, then that's a different situation to if they all had like amazing streaks of wins. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Like you can only judge the performances rather than the. Yeah. Rather than just looking at. Yeah, because um, you can finish second and be worse than, let's say, if there's like a really tight and. Uh, high quality title race and you finish third it, yeah yo, to be fair that's a good point okay I think that's um, that's been a very lovely chat you know it's kind of cool to speak about Ole and it, it not just be oh this guy he can't coach he can't do patterns because <laughs> the thing is we, we've been at points we've been critical of him like yeah. if, personally if, if I were to assess uh, him as a coach and, and his role right now I think you know in terms of culture in terms of rebuild he's been phenomenal uh, in terms of his style as a coach he he's opted to be like you know um, the people who've inspired him 
which in that era would have been very successful. I think in this era, it's not good enough. And I think I don't think United can win a league under him um, unless there's like exceptional circumstances. But that doesn't mean he's uh, a bad coach. If if you give him a team in the World Cup, he, I feel like he could be really good. If you give him a team for for uh, a cup run, Champions League, for example, he's had really great records. You know, in in all of his cups runs so far, he's obviously the final hurdle. Uh, Often he slipped up a little bit, or his players have slipped up. But you know, a lot of semi-finals, some final losses. Um, you know, you can you can berate him for not being this positional play coach, for not having patterns. But in not doing that, he's brought a lot of good in his own other style. So you know, you have to judge what he's intending to do versus what you want him to do. And if what he's intending to do isn't good enough at the end, cool you know, you get a new coach. But there's so much uh, benefit to what he's done in comparison to, for example, Van Gaal, I would say Mourinho. Um, people need to see the whole picture when, when they uh, try and assess a situation. Yeah, and exactly, um, I like what Oli said in the media as well about intentions, where he said we tend to get judged by outcomes rather than intentions, but we go in with good intentions the outcome decides the headline. Rarely is the game fantastic or bad, but it's somewhere in between. And he said we expect like high of ourselves, but sometimes it can go below that. But he said United don't go into teams like thinking like, oh, we're going to lose this game. But I like the point that you brought up about the intention. Yeah, exactly. That's why when when I was reading about him and, and wanted to speak about him with you today, um, I wanted us to focus more on, on what he's intended to do and how he's achieved that rather than judging him by some metrics that he's not intending to do and we're just kind of judging him on on results that in the past have you know he's exceeded expectations a lot of the time and obviously now it looks like his teams are disjointed or whatever but we'll have to give him the season to to make a full judgment um, so yeah thank you mo it's been a lovely chat i've uh, enjoyed it very much uh, likewise thank you very much for inviting me on and hopefully your podcast grows and grows inshallah Inshallah, brother. Thank you, and, and take care.